Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Last week we began to hear testimony regarding the trial that is going on in the world today, the world system whose God is the God of this world, that is Satan, who is accusing Jesus Christ to be something than what He actually is. There is only one voice who accuses, and He can only speak lies. His only resource being a lie. But no matter whether the lie, the source of who it comes from is the father of lies, and he can only lie. Most of his lies are not blatantly outright, but rather laced with much truth. The adversary, the one who is the accuser of Jesus, he draws from the truth to produce his lie. So it rests heavily upon those who would hear such a testimony to know the truth and to know it well. For when the evil one speaks through his people, that is the world, to us, for us to know the truth is of immense importance so that we can dispel the lie. Adam and Eve, they knew the truth, yet they gave in to the lie. They allowed their flesh to overcome truth. Satan said to them, has God really said? And it's the exact same thing that he says to us today. It is the same voice that he speaks to the world to deceive them. It is the same voice that he speaks through the world to us to try to deceive us. Has God really said? He has no other means of deception than using Scripture twisted to deceive. It is what he does. The last week, we heard the defense of the Father, and the Father's testimony, as we have said, is quite simple. Everything that He has said about the Son is true, and the fact that the death that the Son died on the cross wasn't enough to hold Him was proof enough that everything that the Father said about Him was true. Had the grave held the Lord Jesus Christ... Had it kept him on the ground, in the ground, then, as the Apostle Paul said about us, if we have trust in this life only, if we have trusted in a life that can be held in the grave, then we are the most pitied people on the planet, the most pitiable, because we have believed a lie. The testimony of God, the Father, to His Son is this, death cannot hold Him. So everything that he said subsequent to that is true. Everything that he will say about him in the future when he comes upon the clouds will be true and can be counted on. His testimony is right and true. 
The next testimony that we're going to hear from today is of the Spirit, the testimony of the Spirit. And I want to bring us into context once again here. This, this context that this is, is the world has Jesus on trial. They are accusing Him. Verse 18 of chapter 15 in John chapter 15, verse 18 says this, if the world hates you, that is you and me, that is the disciples, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me first. If you were of the world, if you were of that world system, whose God is Satan, if you belong to that world, then the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not sinned. But now they have sin, or they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit's testimony is what we're looking at this morning. The Spirit's name here is parakletos. That is the paraclete. We've all heard that term before. It is the one, it's a, it's a Latin term. It's also a Greek term. It's, it's a, a judicial term. A term. It's a term that it was really only used in a court of law. It is the term that describes the legal assistant, the advocate, the one who would come alongside of you to speak for you. That is what the spirit of truth is here. And he can only say that which he hears. So the testimony that we heard about last week from the Father, this one who proceeds from the Father that Jesus is sending also, will only speak that which he hears. The spirit will never testify of himself. Mark that. The spirit will never testify of himself. His testimony is for the Son, period. There are many in this culture, there are many in the culture that I come from in the States, that exalt the Spirit as the one and the only one who testifies of himself. Little s. Ain't no big s in that name. That is not the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth testifies of the Son. His primary objective is to take you and me, the sinner, before Christ and to point to Him. That's Him. That's the one. 
He will not point to himself. He doesn't even point to the Father. No, the Spirit of truth points to the Son. That's the one. That's the one that I have put my seal on. That's the one that the Father is approved of. There is no one else. He will only testify of the Son. He is the one for us who comes to live within us, who gives us the testimony for those out there as well. And it's one testimony, one testimony alone. Christ Jesus, he is the one. That's why it's so important that when we give our testimonies, as we heard this morning, that Christ is exalted. It's not about us. It's about what he did to us and for us. And the Spirit testifies of this one whom we have believed. John chapter 1, if you're taking notes, write these passages down because we won't turn there. I'll just read them to you. John chapter 1, verse 33, and I did not recognize him. That is John the Baptist seeing Jesus. I didn't recognize who he was. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, so here we have the Father speaking to John the Baptist. He was a prophet. He received revelation. He said to him, he said this to me, John the Baptist, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. That's the testimony of John. That is the testimony of the Father through John to the people. This one that you see, the Spirit of God coming out of heaven on, when you see him coming down and resting on that one right there, John the Baptist, that's how you're going to know that that's my chosen one. The Spirit of God obeying the Father as the Father sends the Spirit, he rests upon the Son, John the Baptist, oh, that's the one. God told me that right there, that's the one whom the Spirit rests upon. That is the testimony of the Spirit regarding the Son. He came and rested upon the one that would be the Messiah. So John would know and he would testify. John chapter 16, 7 through 11 says this, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, there's a different name for him, the Helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So there you have the testimony of the Spirit to the world. If you want to know what God the Spirit is actually saying to the world that's out there among you, your co-workers, your, your family members, the people that are just walking around dead in their sin, if you want to know what the Spirit is actually saying to them, this is it. Inside of them, they are being convicted of sin. God's law has been written on the heart of every man. So when they know, when they see, or sorry, when they are doing sin, whatever that is, they are being convicted by the Spirit. That is wrong. That's what the Spirit does. 
That's the way he speaks to them. Inside, his conscience is confirming the law that you are breaking of God is sin against God. Every man knows that. You don't have to tell them. Now, we are the mouthpiece for that, of course, but when they sin internally, they know they're doing wrong. So he's convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, because what God did in the Son has been approved. He's now with the Father. That is the only way to be right with God, right there through the Son. He's convicting them of that. And lastly, convicting them of judgment. What you are doing in your sin, this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the unbeliever. What you are doing in your sin, there's a day that God has appointed for judgment. Wrath is coming. If you continue in that without it being dealt with the way that I have provided for it to be dealt with, you will be judged. Not in some happy place where, oh, you're just gone. You're not going to be annihilated. No. What you are going to be is to live in eternal torment because of your sin. That's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the unbeliever. So, question as we move forward, why in the world would we say something that he's already not saying, or that he's not saying? Why would you come up with some kind of non-gospel that isn't offensive? The things that the Spirit is saying to the unbeliever are highly offensive. Your sin is wrong. First offense You don't believe in the Son. Second offense, you're going to be judged for those things. Third offense, tell the world that they're dead in their sin and that they will be judged for it. It's offensive. It's supposed to be offensive because their life is an offense to God. We don't want to change the message. No, we want to simply affirm what the Spirit is already telling them. When you get the gospel right, Everything that the Spirit is telling the unbeliever is confirmed. That's what we're doing when we're sharing the Gospels. We're simply confirming what they're already hearing. They already have no excuse, but you are telling them the way of life. That's the testimony of the Spirit to the unbeliever. John 14, verse 26 says this, but the helper, there's that name again, he's the one who's helping us, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He sends him in Jesus' name. The Father will send the Spirit in Jesus' name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. There's a second function of the Spirit. This is a function for the believer. This is when the believer reads God's, God's Word and reads God's Word they will have it within their heart and mind. If you don't read it, he can't bring to your remembrance anything. There's no supernatural thing that's going to happen where the Spirit just starts reading you Scripture. No, it's written down in a book. And when you read it, whether you commit it to memory or not, he has the ability to bring it back to you. Now, specifically for the disciples, this was super important because they were about to write it down, right? What God said about the Son, what the Son says to the Spirit, what the Father says to the Spirit needed to be recorded. So this was super important for the disciples to recognize that all the things that Jesus said to them, 
the Spirit was going to bring back to their remembrance and they would be able to write it down for you and me. Simple statement. If you don't read God's word, don't expect him to bring it back to your memory. It's not gonna happen. You need to hide God's word within your heart. You need to read it on a regular basis so that it's there, so that it's ready to be given when it needs to go. So he'll bring to remembrance all that he had said. John chapter 16, verse 13 and 15 says this, but when he, notice not it, notice not some power, what does he call him here? First person personal pronoun, he. The spirit is not some it, he is a person. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose it to you what is to come. He shall glorify me. Don't forget that, people. Whenever you have somebody coming up to you talking about how the Spirit is moving in their life and all you hear is the glory of man, that ain't coming from the Spirit of God. No, He will glorify the Son. That's His task. That's His job. That's His position. And what an honorable position. He is co-equal in all essence with the Son, but in function, His job is to glorify the Son. He shall glorify me. For, listen, listen to this, He shall take of what is mine and disclose it to you. So that which the Son has said, that which the Son thinks, that which the Son does, the Spirit will take that which He hears from the Son and from the Father, and He'll disclose it specifically to the disciples so that you and I will have the recorded word of God. What a wonderful thing that the triune God works together to produce this word that we have. Absolutely perfect. All things that the Father has are mine. So these things that the Son is going to disclose to the Spirit, they come from the Father as well. They're in perfect unison. You see the unity here? There's, there's, no, there's no deliberation that takes place between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. They're in perfect unity. So when the Spirit of truth comes into the believer, the Father and the Son, what they have said to the Spirit, the Spirit communicates to them. To the disciples, personally, for us, right here. Right here. In this treasured word that comes from God. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Romans 8, 15 and 17. Romans 8, 15 and 17 say, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Both of those are little s. As sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father... And then here's big S. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, little s, that we are what? Children of God. That's the testimony of the Spirit. 
And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Brothers and sisters, if, you're, if you are a child of God, you are an adopted child of God, you receive no less than the Son. <sighs> Who can understand that? An heir alongside of the Son of God. This spirit of adoption that's within us that cries out, Abba, Father, affirms that the Spirit is in you. Capital S. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our, our spirit that we are children of God. Really, it's the only way that anyone can truly affirm that they're a genuine believer. The actual confirmation of the Spirit in you which causes you to cry out, my Father and my God. That's really the only way that you genuinely know inside of you is you believe and you continue to believe. His Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when somebody says, well, how, how do you know you're saved? Well, God's in me. That's it. You actually can't show them, you can't open up inside and show them that God is in you, but that's the internal testimony of the Spirit. You know that you're His because you're His. You believe, you continue to believe, and you will never not believe. Held by the keeping power of God. 1 John 4, 2, 3 says this, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. There's Jehovah's Witnesses right there. They teach that God did not come in human flesh. That's what John is dealing with here. He's dealing with the beginnings of the Jehovah's Witness movement. God did not come in human flesh is what they say. No, He's an angel. He's actually the archangel Michael. That is the spirit, and mark this people, of Antichrist. It is the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the one who will come in the power of the Antichrist in the latter days when Satan has actually brought him here to the earth. He may be here now, but his message will be the same. God did not come in human flesh. You believe in one that has not been given the testimony in the Father or the Spirit as God in human flesh, then you believe in a false God. There is no power in that name. There is no salvation in that name because you got the wrong God. Hebrews 10, 14, 18 says, For by one offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law upon their heart and upon their mind I will write them. He then says, in their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. 
Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. The Spirit's testimony is this. There is one place that you can go for a sin offering. There's not multiple roads that lead to heaven. All roads do not lead to heaven. The testimony of the Spirit is very simple. Everything that he has said concerning God the Son is true. You will find no other sacrifice for sins than in him. It's very simple. If you want to give your testimony when you are proclaiming the good news of the gospel to someone, your testimony had better line up with what the Spirit says. And that is, everything that the Word has said about the Son, everything that the Spirit has said about the Son, it's true. And you will not find sacrifice for your sin anywhere else than in Him. No other place. Your gospel message had better be exclusive and put them in a spot where they got nowhere else to look. It must be God in human flesh who has been the paid sacrifice for their sin. That's the Spirit's testimony. And lastly, let's look at the testimony of the disciples. Verse 27, he says, in John chapter 15, verse 27, he says, and you, you, that is the disciples, will also testify because... You have been with me from the beginning. Listen to what John says in his first letter that he wrote. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. He says this. He says, what was from the beginning, and we're talking about Jesus here, a person. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our own eyes, and what we have beheld with our hands. That's testimony for any courtroom. I heard it, I saw it, and I touched it. That is eyewitness testimony. What did they see? What did they hear? What did they feel? Concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and what we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the testimony of the disciples. We have seen Him. We have heard Him. We have touched Him. He was a real man. This one here, He is the Word of life. He is eternal life. Belief in Him gives you fellowship with the disciples and with the Father and with the Son. 1 John 4, 6, John says again this, we are, we are from God, that is speaking of the disciples. The disciples who saw, who heard, and who touched, they are saying, we're from God. He who knows God listens to us. Well, how do we listen to the disciples? They're not talking. How do we listen to him? Right there, Mel, that's right. He's the only one who held up his Bible. That's how we listen to him. We, we read what they said, right? Every, every day of the week, we can read exactly what the disciples said. 
He who knows God listens to us. So the one who had claimed to know God, the one who who had claimed to be of God, who would be of the Son, has to be in accordance with what the disciples have said. The apostles' teaching. He who is not from God, verse 6, does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The one who would come, who would say that they are of God, that they are of the Son, or they are of the Spirit, must be in line with the disciples' teaching. For they came from God. Their message came from God directly. So anyone who would make that claim that they are of God, that they are of the Spirit, or they are of the Son, if they are not in accordance with what the apostles have written, they are a liar. They are not of God, but they are of the one who is the adversary. They are of their father, the devil, propagating his truth, which is a lie. So the final testimony from the apostles is this in Acts chapter 5, verse 27. They say, and when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood on us. (laughs) Which is funny because it was, right? It already was on them. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted at his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are, here it is, witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God the Father has given to those who obey Him. There you have all three testimonies. The Spirit is a testifier. The Father is a testifier. And the eyewitnesses, the apostles, are also a testifier. Their testimony is simple like the other two. They are eyewitnesses that God, what, of what God has testified concerning Jesus Christ. They are eyewitnesses to what He has actually said about them about him. And their testimony always ends in this. These things are true. Listen to us. Listen to us. Our testimony, yours and mine on this side of the disciples, on this side of the completed canon of Scripture, is also simple. Very simple. Number one, Jesus was not a good man. Jesus was not a good man. That is a false understanding of who he is. Remember the rich young ruler? When he came up to Jesus, what did he say to him? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And his thinking about what a good person is was totally skewed. If that man would have came up to Jesus and said, my God and my Savior, which would be the backside of being saved, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer would have been totally different. 
But that man's understanding of what it meant to be good was wrong. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is God. If you would have called me God, that would have been different. But he came up to him, seeing him just as a man, a good man. And we hear that over and over again in cults today that Jesus was a good man. He showed us the way. He lived a good life. If that's all he is, he is the greatest deceiver. That's not what he is. No, he is the good God who became man for the sake of bad, wicked, sinful man. That's who he is. He is God, almighty, creator of all, eternal, who chose to become a man. He veiled his perfect attributes in human flesh for the sake of you and me, the wicked ones, the ones who hated him, the ones who were contrary to him in everything in our life, not only from Adam, but from our own choices. He chose to step out of the throne room as eternal God and into the flesh of men to be like us, to walk with us, to walk perfectly. Yes, to show an example, but primarily to walk perfectly because we can't. And then to die the death that you deserve, that I deserve, that he didn't deserve. That's the only way that God could die is he had to take on flesh. Pastor Rob talked about that a couple weeks ago. No, Jesus is not a good man as a human understanding. No, he is good God who became man. So when our testimony is before us and we stand before the unbeliever, it is paramount that our testimony would line up with the fathers, with the spirits, and with the disciples. Don't change it because there is no other name that has been given among men for, why, for by which we must be saved. That name, Jesus Christ, God who came in human flesh, there is no other name. We must have the same testimony as the Father, the Spirit, and the disciples. Don't change it. There's no power in it. Just a short little illustration as we close. If you want to know whether your testimony is changed from the Father, the spirits, or the disciples, there's a real simple way you can know. Really simple. It won't be offensive. It won't be offensive. And I'm not talking about being necessarily offensive, like you're trying to, to, to just simply hurt somebody. But if you get the message right that the Father approves of, that the Spirit approves of, and that the disciples have written about, it will be offensive to the sinner because it points out their sin in their life and what they must repent from to be saved. Father, we are so grateful for your testimony. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your testimony. And we are grateful that you have given the disciples the spirit of truth 
so that their testimony is in line with yours. Thank you so much for the son. He may be on trial with the world today, but we know. We know because of the spirit of truth within us. It doesn't rest on us to convince people. Yes, we may strongly urge them to come to you, but it rests on you to convince them of truth. And Lord, we ask that you would do that through our testimony as we proclaim the good news of the gospel to the various venues that you put us in, the various people that we have encounters with, that you would use the message that you have approved to save to the uttermost, and that no man would receive glory because of it, but only you. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen.